You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. David's Pick, brought to you by the Georgia Veteran Military Veterans Hall of Fame. Let me explain who we have on the line with us. We have Pat Liddell, uh, Master Sergeant Patricia Elaine Liddell. And uh, Pat was... Uh, it is an interesting story, and I'm sorry that she can't hear me on my end. Um, I've got it pumped up about as far as I can pump it up. But uh, anyway, we're trying, and uh, that that's all a person can do is try. But Pat has a very interesting story. She spent 27 years in the military, and uh, uh, Pat, go ahead and tell us your side of the story of what you did for 27 years. I, I I made an attempt to try to help veterans because veterans are my life. Um, I, I joined the military to make sure that me and my children could have a stable life. Um, and I actually joined to keep from going to jail because I allowed my husband to abuse me until I got sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I decided that um, one of us might be going to the morgue and one of us to jail. I decided I didn't want to go to jail, but I knew I wasn't going to the morgue. So it was best that I join the military and leave Chicago. Wow. That, that, uh, that's quite a uh, decision to have to make. Uh, that, that's incredible. Um, and this was, how old were you when you made this decision? I think 22. And, and at that, you had two kids? Yes, sir. So what, were, what was your thinking on that? I'm going to join the military. What am I going to do with my kids? Well, I had talked to, you know, their grandparents. My mom didn't actually believe that I had um, joined the military. And I told her, well, Mom, you'd rather for me to go in the military than to go to jail, right? She said, and then she said, what are you talking about? I said, I'm tired of going to the hospital. I said, I'm not going to let Willie continue to abuse me. So I'm going to have to do what I need to do to, you know, stay alive. I said, and I don't want to stay alive in jail. She said, okay, join the military. We'll keep the kids until you finish what you need to finish and then come back and get them. <laughs> and 27, and 27 years later? No. I'm not no, teasing no. about that. I came that. back and got them after AIT. <laughs> <laughs> AIT, advan- well, now I'm, I know what my AIT was, advanced infantry training. Um, surely yours wasn't advanced, in- it was just individual training, advanced individual training, right? Yes. So, you know, that's that's quite a decision to make. But I, I want to make a point here, if you don't mind, is that yes, sir. Uh, the military is overlooked so many times by high school graduates and college graduates that and yet in my opinion and and I'm very proud of my youngest son he went from Texas A&M and uh, being in the Corps and being in ROTC right into the military and I think he's going to make a career of it and I'm very very proud of him and the military offers uh, for some reason, people have blinders on about the military, but the military is a great occupation. It has more opportunities than almost any business I know of, and it uh, 
I think everybody thinks, oh my God, I go to the military, well, I'll be pounding dirt, you know, and, and I'll only be in where the action is, or I'll be, you know, this, that, or they, they have preconceived ideas of what the military offers, and uh, they shouldn't. It's, uh, you know, the, uh, the military is absolutely wonderful with every opportunity under the sun and it and it depends if you like being on a boat well then you got the navy if you like the air force and you want to be a pilot well there's no better air force in the world if if uh, you want uh, skills that are second to none the army has so many different variations and uh, we promote on all of our shows that um Parents and grandparents that are listening should encourage their kids and their grandkids to take a look at at the military before they make a decision on a job decision. Would you agree to that? I I agree. And see, and a lot of things that they get from the military is from the TV. And that doesn't tell you at all what the military is like. No. Not at all. No, it doesn't. You're right. Absolutely correct, 100%. And uh, that's... uh, and that's something that folks just have to uh, find out for themselves. And uh, I, we totally support the military. And you can't, you can't get a, a better program if you make it a career and you come out like you did 27 years later and the benefits are there. And uh, so we are very big proponents of... Everybody looking, taking a look at the military. Plus, there's one other thing. It's such a warm and great feeling that you are or you have served your country. No matter what what branch, whatever you do, you have served your country and you've raised your hand to protect and defend. And uh, the greatest feeling ever. So, not only were you in the military, but you came through an accident that uh, I, I read all about it, and it's still mind-boggling how you're up and walking today. You want to tell folks what happened? Well, I was on my way home from Martin Army Community Hospital at Fort Benning, because that's where I worked, um, and I got rear-ended by a soldier's wife, and um I looked in my rearview mirror and saw that she wasn't moving, and I got in my car to help her to find out what was going on. And uh, then I went back to my car to get my cell phone just in case I needed to call an ambulance. And I went back to check on her and her baby. Never got a chance to check on her baby. She was doing better because I had told her how to breathe to relieve some of her discomfort because she was having uh, false contractions. She was pregnant. And... um, I woke up three days later in the hospital because I had gotten hit by another car. Oh, wow. And I believe you were told that uh, you weren't going to walk again. When I came out of the coma, that's what they had told my son, that if I came out of the coma, I'd never walk again. Hmm. And um, and I told them that when I was able to talk, that I understood that, you know, they had done everything that they could do as, as far as their, you know, medical education would take them, and I appreciate that. But I knew that it was up to me and God from that point because I knew God didn't leave me here to be blind and not able to walk. So a year later, I was able to see and walk again after a lot of training. Oh, wow. 
what a story. What a lady. And, um, you know, Rick White, that's the director. And this show, is it's called David's Pick, but at the same token, it's brought to, brought to you by the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame, which is in downtown Atlanta. And uh, it is... It is a an attraction, I should say, if, if we call it an attraction, but it is a place that anybody visiting Atlanta and interested in the military should make sure it's on their agenda to go and see it. And you'll see Pat Liddell's picture hanging there, and uh, she was inducted into the Hall of Fame uh, in the class of 2017, so... Uh, three years ago basically and uh because of all the work that she does with veterans and has done with veterans and then her story in general is just an incredible story that you know i would say everybody that is in the hall of fame at some point or place is is a example and a and a good uh mentor for any and everybody that walks through and just reading their stories just reading your story is enough to uh, my gosh if she can do it you know there's hope for me and uh, you you are a prime example of we do a show on Fridays uh, that uh, is basically mind over body and you had to have such a positive attitude that uh you know it. Uh, oh no, <laughs> thanks. So, um, you know, such a positive attitude that uh, you you against all odds you did what they said you couldn't do. And how are you? Has it lingered on? How many years ago was this? Uh, this was in two thousand and two. Okay, so eighteen years ago, and. Uh, do you still suffer, or has all of the pain basically gone? Oh, I still have have the the issues, but that's how I know I'm still alive. <laughs> I don't doesn't sound like a favorable way to know you're still alive. I, you know, I know. <laughs> I think I just as soon get up every morning and say, "Thank God, I'm still alive." But oh, uh, and I do that as well. I do that as well because without him, I knew I wouldn't be here. And uh, your family had to marvel at you too. Your son that was there, and and uh, when they had told him that they didn't think you'd ever walk again, and uh, everybody has to marvel at Pat. In fact, I was very honored uh, that I got to meet Pat uh, a couple of months ago. I guess it was in March uh, at the uh, uh, an induction ceremony in the state capital of Georgia, and. Uh, Mr. White, or Colonel White, retired, uh, I should say, uh, gave me the pleasure of uh, meeting Pat, and uh, she is some lady. Let me ask, Pat, do you, I didn't ask in, in advance, do you, give, uh, do you give a lot of talks or speeches? I, I don't. I mean, I, I run around and make sure that I can help veterans. I mean, some, sometimes folks will, will ask me, and it's very seldom if I speak like at like uh, one of if they're having a Veterans Day program and I'll go and do that but it's not anything that I do all the time well if uh, whoever's listening and uh, they decide they need a speaker well 
we can get you in touch with Pat. And just her story is so inspiring that, uh, you know, and you work with, I think, the greatest group of people in the world, and that's our veterans. Um, I can't say enough about our veterans, and uh, uh, I'm... (laughs) I always make it clear I did not go to Vietnam. I was what they call today a Vietnam-era veteran, but uh, I did put my time in, but it was not in Vietnam. And uh, I'm trying to pay back some of that time by doing this show and many other shows honoring our veterans. And I'm very fortunate to... uh, We have... uh, General Richard Dixon, that uh, is a, uh, he was a general and uh, served in, his show is called Remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm. And um, then we've, we've had, oh, any number of other veterans on uh, that served in Vietnam and served in, uh, in Iraq. And, you know, so we're very fortunate. And veterans are, and this is, let me ask, this is a new group of veterans in many cases, and I assume that uh, you don't care where they served, whether it was Korea, Vietnam, or the Middle East. And we've got, and, and let me ask you, we've got a, uh, like I said, a different group of veterans that we've never really dealt with, and they're the... They're the the new veterans that were called up from AR and NG uh, companies and so forth across the country to serve in in the Middle East. And uh, many of them had joined the ARs or Army Reserve or National Guard thinking that they probably would never go on active duty. And yet not only have they gone on active duty, but they've... uh, gone they've served several tours so what are you saying but different from those the ones that have been called up um, for duty now that uh, they weren't active duty going to uh, straight to Vietnam well um, sir they put the uniform on and when we put the uniform on we do it and say wherever you want to send us you know like I say send me when you put that uniform on, that's what you said. Be it reserves, National Guard, or active duty. Well, uh, you know, there's there's a quote that a lot of uh, out of the Bible that a lot of uh, reservist and active duty uh, say. I think your computer's trying to start up on me here. I know it. it, <laughs> it, it, it it's acting foolish. But uh, is it? Uh, if not me, then who? And uh, a, lot, a lot of people uh, go by that, and they and that's the way they look at it. And I, I don't think there's ever been the respect for ARs and NGs like there is today. And yet, you hit it on the head. Even even during Vietnam, we all took the same oath, and we could have been called up at any time. And uh, you know, like I made it quite clear, I was not called up, but uh, nor was nor were any of our units called up. But we could have been, and uh, we were we were called up one time for uh, civil disorder, and uh, you know, a civil disorder can be just as scary as a foxhole, I guess. Um, 
if you don't know what's around that next corner, you know? You're and, right. You're right. So, and, and when we say that we're supposed to, you know, we, we were sent abroad to protect abroad, but we need to remember we have to know how to protect home as well. Yes, ma'am. So going back to your memories of when you were on active duty, what what incident or what thing stands out the most that uh, that is always in your mind or in your memory? Oh gosh! <laughs> mm. Is there is there any one thing or any one person I might ask too that that stands out that uh, not not only your accident but before or after? Well, when, before your accident, say. Oh, goodness. I don't know, so many things that, you know, made me realize that I made the right choice. You know, um, <clears throat> be it taking care of my my children, because I know if I wouldn't have been stationed at Walter Reed, my son probably would have never got into West Point. Wow. You know, um, so, and... Um, I don't believe my daughter would have made the choice to join the National Guard either if I wouldn't have been there. So it's um, got a lot of things that that makes me look that I've made the right choice. That's great. So is your uh, son, did your son career it? No, no. He, um, he got out after he paid back his time to, um, for, you know, for making it through West Point. <laughs> And uh, then he became a uh, a doctor of acupuncture, and hmm. now in Colorado he he does that as well as he's one of the directors, you know, for the school system there in um, in Denver. Wow, how interesting! And uh, did your daughter stay in the uh, in the guard? She stayed in for a while, but then she she met her husband who was Navy, and uh, I mean she's still military. So, and I think he retired um, last year from the Navy. So she, you know, she did her time in the National Guard and and um, got out and had my, you know, my last grandchild. All my grandchildren are are adults, and two of them are now military. One is Army, one is Navy. Wow, it, it runs in your blood, huh? Yes, sir. You you, you pump OD green. <laughs> well, I, we we, blue. we we pop blue, red, white because <laughs> my grandson, my grandson, my son-in-law, and my dad were Navy. <laughs> well, my, my my dad was Navy, as a matter of fact. <laughs> my my brother and a nephew was was Air Force, but ninety percent of us are Army. <laughs> well, I tell you, any branch, you know, they uh, there's the old saying that. Uh, uh, the military will make a man out of the boy, and uh, it will make a better person out of anybody, in my humble opinion. And uh, I think it's been proven over and over again, the the quality of the training. And, and uh, General Dixon, I've kidded about this many times, is that, you know, it's a... Uh, it's a the military, and I didn't really realize this until I, I had been out many years. Um, it's a it's a psychology course in progress, and there's you know when you're in and you're going through basic or uh, the Navy calls it uh, whatever they call it boot camp, and 
And uh, then you go to AIT. We call it advanced infantry, but you called it uh, advanced individual training. But anyway, you, you question, why am I doing this? But then years later, you wake up and you think, I know why we did it, because they said duck and we ducked. And uh, that's what they wanted you to do. And they wanted you to realize that, um, you know, that, that there was a power and that you were to uh, obey orders. And uh, we just saw a uh, situation, and uh, we, we've discussed it on the air a couple of times with the uh, captain of the Theodore Roosevelt uh, breaching the chain of command. Yeah. And uh, it's like, you know, there were a lot of people that said, how dare he do what he did in writing a letter? Well, on the other side of the coin is that a good commander, the first duty he has is to his men, our women, and that's to take care of them and get them back home as safely as he can. And, uh, Absolutely. You know, so he had, a, he had a heck of a choice to make, and... My personal opinion is uh, he tried through the chain of command and couldn't get anybody's attention. And then he did. He evidently had a good talk with himself and said, I've got to do something for my people. And he did at the sacrifice of himself. And uh, I would serve under somebody like that in a heartbeat. And, in a heartbeat. Absolutely. You know, if he's he's dedicated to his people, and that's what a good commander is. He's dedicated to his people. And uh, it, that doesn't mean he's not dedicated to his country first. But, you know, if you got a bunch of sick people, they can't defend the country either. And you're right. He was a he, he was a George Patton only only wore only wore navy uniform. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Uh, that was uh <laughs> I like, I believe you must, uh, I love that movie. And, uh, <laughs> you know, kid decided to uh, deserve to get upside, hit upside the head. And maybe it got his attention. Who knows? But, uh, you know, and, and this is the thing that we try to do on this show as well as on uh, remembering uh, Desert Shield and Desert Storm is that, you know, first, we're all humans, but the, at the same token, the importance of discipline and the importance of the chain of command and the importance of uh, the military being an option for a career. And uh, we certainly we certainly push that. With that being said, we're going to have to take a uh, quick break, and we'll be back with Pat Lydell and, uh, I should say, Master Sergeant. And by the way, for folks that don't know this... A master sergeant has power beyond belief in the in the army, and uh, you know they they they're at the top of the heap as far as the NCOs go. But at the same token, um, if you've made master sergeant, you have the respect of every officer in your company or battalion or whatever it happens to be because you don't just fall out of a chair and make master sergeant you've done you followed the chain of command you've you've done what you were ordered to do and you've done it better than anybody else and uh, my hat is off to you pat that uh, for all of your accomplishments 
not only in the military, but uh, walking and um, the things that you've gone through since the military. But uh, I... I have all the respect in the world. I I was a grunt, but I was all of an E5. And uh, if you don't think I wouldn't jerk my head up if a master sergeant walked into the room, uh, in many ways, more command than uh, no matter what the rank of the officer was. And uh, officers had all the respect in the world for a master sergeant. And they still do. So we're very fortunate to have uh, Pat on with us today. And we're going to take a quick break, and we'll come back with Pat right after this. If your health insurance premium is more than your mortgage, Ellen Deal with Ideal Solutions is here to help. Whether you're a small business owner, individual family, or baby boomer, email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com, and I'll respond with three easy questions to help you determine if you can get away from Obamacare. As a 20-year veteran of the insurance industry, I'm here to help with all your insurance needs. Email Ellen Deal at MAGA45CAG at gmail.com. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back on America's Web Radio and David's Pick, which is sponsored by the Georgia Military Hall of Fame. And our good friend that's a director of it is uh, Rick White. And uh, I want to give a shout-out to Rick. Rick, I hope you're doing well and uh, that uh, everybody is well and staying, you know, either uh, hunkered down at your house or or staying away from... uh, anybody that happens to be sick and we also uh, pray for those that have succumbed to uh, the virus and uh, we uh, certainly think about all of them and think about the veterans that uh, may have uh, health issues but uh, yes ma'am I started when I was very young in the radio business and as things progressed with uh, America's Web Radio, I realized that uh, one of the things that I wanted to do was always be saluting and promoting our military. And uh, I was very blessed to meet Rick and uh, also a gentleman named Mike Mazel that uh, we've had to, he's had to postpone the uh, healing wall out in Johns Creek until after uh, the virus situation is over with but when he sets another date we'll be promoting that and uh, i just you know i like i said i was in the quote unquote vietnam era as they call it today and uh you know we were ordered literally ordered i was in fort ord california and ordered not to wear my uniform coming home and uh when i landed uh in Atlanta, uh, I was appalled at, at they had a roped off section of demonstrators, and we were pointed at and uh, spit at and yelled at, and uh, I couldn't believe it. And this this was, and I, I you know I thought about that 
and and it doesn't happen today because the Vietnam veterans have taken the bull by the horn and and uh, you know they wouldn't let it happen today not for our military coming back from the Middle East or anywhere else but it happened and I when I started the station that was one of the things that I wanted to do was talk to Vietnam veterans and it's expanded from there and we've had oh Donna Rowe that was a triage nurse she's been on and just, the list just goes on and on and on so many pilots we had pilots that uh, spent six years six years and four months in the the Hanoi Hilton, and we've had other pilots that spent a little bit lesser time, but it doesn't matter how long. It's just a matter that that uh, they were away from their families and served. And one thing we did early on was when the first ARs and NGs were called up for the Middle East was that we went on and literally, I wasn't on my knees, but I was begging neighbors that were listening to take care of their neighbors that were deployed because, you know, it's one thing to be on base and realize that you may be sent anywhere, anytime, yeah. but it's a whole nother ball game to be mowing your grass and get a message, uh, you're now on active duty and you will show up at and you will be gone. And uh, the while, the you know, on a base or post situation, you have... Everybody can be deployed, or a lot can be deployed, and and uh, the wives take care of the wives. But when you're yeah. in a situation like the NG or AR, you uh, you don't have that backup, and it's not it's not meant cruelly. It's just that's the way it is, and and really the neighbors are your backup, and they need to know that uh, your spouse, be it man or woman, uh, is gone to serve the country and protect you so while they're protecting you how about changing the light bulbs or or painting the door or mowing the grass or doing this or doing that while they're protecting us and uh, we we started that uh, this was back in uh, oh around the when we first started the uh, the station back in 2000 uh, well, 2005 is when we started the station, but this was like in 2008 or 9 when they first started going to being deployed to uh, yeah. the Middle East. So we are uh, we are positive military. I've got I've got a flag sitting here right in front of me, and a flag on the wall behind me or in front of me, and uh, uh, we're flag wavers. <laughs> And don't mess with my flag either, or you'll find out what a little guy can do. Yep. No, don't mess with my flag. Mm-mm. But you know we've uh, we've come so far, and uh, you know I we have we've dedicated a show at one time to uh, victims of PTSD, which we've always had PTSD. It may have been shell shocked, or it may have been whatever name they gave it at the time but uh i'm afraid we're going to have the largest case of ptsd the world has ever seen when this virus is over with um it's affecting a lot of people in a lot of different ways and at the same time it's also 
showing off, and I, I and I, and that's uh, there's another word I'm looking for, and I, I can't think of it, but it's showing off what our military can do. Our military, when you come right down to it, can do anything from running a, a tank over a house to uh, taking care of the wounded, taking care of the sick, and. Uh, it, our military is just absolutely fantastic. Now, you were in, in, in the medical end, too, of the military, right? Yes, sir. I was a hospital administrator. Say again? I was a hospital administrator. Oh, administrator. Okay. And uh, <laughs> that had to be a challenge unto itself. Was now that was this a field hospital or was this uh, one of the? I know you were at Walter Reed. Were you the administrator at Walter Reed? Yes, sir. Wow. Wow. Well, that uh, thank you for your service and thank you for that. That's uh, that's one heck of a big responsibility. And uh, do you miss it? Um. I'm sorry, do you miss uh, what you were doing in the military? I miss the the camaraderie, but but I don't I don't miss the bureaucratic. Right. You know, we we've said or I've said many, many times uh, on the show with General General Dix and on this show as well, uh, the military is without question the biggest fraternity slash sorority in the world. And just like you were saying, you miss the camaraderie. Well, you know, I, I've i been very fortunate, very blessed here at the station of the, of the folks that I've met, many of them through uh, Rick White. But, you know, there's just something, it's like as a grunt, as a uh, E5, I never, ever thought I would be so blessed as to be able to sit across, we have a round table here, sit across the table from a general and talk to him like, you know, not, and I certainly talk to him with total respect, but at the same time, even be in the same room with him. And uh, General Dix, I can't say enough about what he is. He is the leader's leader, you know, and uh, there's a there's an awe about, and this is this is true. I want to bring this up. This is true with you and with all of the rest of the inductees into the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. In that, when you walk in a room, when General Dix walks in a room, when Colonel White walks in a room or Colonel Mazel or any of the others that I've met, and I, I've been very honored to meet them. But when they walk in my studio or they walk into my office, there is an aura around them that's just absolutely incredible. And it's General Dix has taken me in like we kid about being brothers, but there's something about somebody that served, and it doesn't matter what branch, what rank, what anything, but if they've served and they've raised their hand, then we are all brothers and sisters. Absolutely. And each knows what... Uh, what... Uh, uh, Pirano, uh, Tonto Pirano said, and, and that is that 
You know, no greater love hath a man than to lay down his life for a friend. And that's what, you know, the friendships that you make in the military are everlasting and are the greatest of all. Now, let me ask you, I always ask this. As a veteran, have you ever talked to a veteran that had only one story to tell? Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Uh -uh. Just trying to figure out how to stop them, huh? (laughs) No, those stories are great. And um, i got to admit, Bob Babcock has done a wonderful job of taking uh, Vietnam veterans, and uh, he has a book out called... And it's from Deeds Publishing, which is his his publishing company, but it's called I'm Ready to Talk. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, I'm very fortunate, again, as I've said, I did not serve in Vietnam, but veterans will talk to me, and I appreciate that, and they they make me very proud that they will talk to me. But, uh, you know, many veterans, particularly those that have, have gone through some traumatic times, won't talk to just anybody. They won't even talk to their family. Uh, You're right. Because if you if you ain't been there, done that, then I'm talking to a, a wall, you know. And uh, it's uh, it's the old Native American Indian saying: If you haven't walked a mile in my shoes, then my moccasins, then you don't know what I'm talking about. And uh, but it, it it's. And I, I would venture to say both your son and your daughter would agree that it is one of the biggest sororities and fraternities in the world. Yep. <laughs> and you know when, when somebody has served. And, uh, you know, how do you feel about the volunteer military? I know how I feel. How do you feel? Well, um, I know that I volunteered. But I still think that, you know, no, maybe the draft wasn't the way to go to get them in. But I believe if a lot of men were not drafted when they were drafted, they would have ended up in jail. And I think now that everybody should at least serve two years, you know, and we wouldn't have as many as we have now in prisons. So you you feel like uh, what Israel does is right? Everybody serves their country for at least two years. Yeah, and but see, with Israel, their people when they serve, they're taken care of when they get out. You know, they don't have a problem fighting for health care like we do. Mm-hmm. And nor should they. And our military, when we get out, we shouldn't have to fight as hard as we fight for our health care. But we, you know, I fight tooth and nail trying to make sure that veterans get taken care of. Yes, ma'am. Uh, and I agree. I, uh, I, I was on both sides of the fence. Uh, when I went in, when I went on active duty, there was still a few leftovers from the draft that were on, in basic, and uh, there were a few that were lottery. And then there were the rest of us that had volunteered. And uh, so it was it was quite a thing to see, you know, um, 
how it all played out. And uh, sometime when we're sitting down breaking bread, uh, we'll, we'll go into it more. I I have very mixed emotions about. Uh, I think we're very lucky. the The volunteer military has gotten, in my opinion, the cream of the crop, just like your son and just like your daughter. Um, whereas, so yeah, when it was draft, we got some of the sour milk and and not always the best and uh, yeah but with the volunteer army we don't get always the best either well that's true but it's uh, uh i would venture to say uh, i personally like the volunteer if if uh and and if we can keep the numbers up and so far we've been able to do that um but it's you know everybody has their own own opinion and everybody has their own experiences of of uh who they knew and who they went through with and uh, like i said i i saw all three of the situations draft lottery and and uh, and the lottery was more or less sort of the draft in its own way uh, yeah <laughs> but you know it, it was all three and and those that uh, uh volunteered so you know and there's there's a I, I well, obviously, I'm a proponent of everybody should serve their country in one, in one shape, form, or fashion. Our country has been too good to all of us, not to want to serve it and not to give a, a few years of our lives, uh, protecting and defending it. And uh, that's just my opinion and my little radio station's opinion. So. Uh, I, I personally think, if, and I always harp on this one, is that I have a hard, real hard time, and did in did during Vietnam and any other time. I I really am for all of our Congress and congressmen and women. That they should serve in the military. I, I, I agree. A, I have a real hard problem with someone that hadn't served being on the Armed Service Committee or deciding uh, uh, which weapons or deciding uh, the terms of engagement. I'm sorry, but they don't know what the hell they're talking about. And uh, and, and and how our uniforms should look. Yes, ma'am. And how our uniforms should look. <laughs> Absolutely. I um, say, I don't know how they can how they can even fix their brains to even walk down that road. <clears throat> I don't either. And uh, I, I would be, well, they're not going to give themselves term limits. They will give themselves raises, but they won't necessarily have served. And I, anybody that is in Congress that has served, I respect them a whole lot more than the person that hadn't. But, yep, again, I do too. That's and uh, and and I just have a I just have an issue with them telling us how we should do certain things when they've never worn the uniform. Yes, ma'am. No question about it. And uh, they don't. They certainly don't understand the chain of command, and they certainly don't understand. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> they they don't understand. Uh, you know, it's it's sort of like. I look at it like uh, the police officer. I don't want to go crawling in a dark building at 3 o'clock in the morning not knowing what's on the other side of the wall. Well, 
you know, that's the same thing with our military. We don't know when we're shipped out, we don't know what we're being shipped into. And uh, when they're making, when Congress is making these decisions of what, well, we had a situation, not military. This was one of our shows yesterday. Um, and he happens to be a good friend of mine, but he's he was with Homeland Security and uh, on the Texas border. And I didn't know this, and it just it galled me to find out about it. But he was a special agent in charge, and that we call the show Agent in Charge. And he could be, and, you know, everything, quote, unquote, has their fiscal budget put out by Congress, you know, like there's some kind of almighty and uh, he could be in the middle of an investigation and go over a budget because he had to do this or do that and hire people or whatever. And at that point, he would have to go out and get his own money to finish his investigation. That blew me away. Yes, it doesn't make any sense to me. You know, it, you're, you're, you're doing the duties that the United States say that you need to do. So why do you have to? Where are you going to get the money from if they don't give it to you? That's exactly right. And uh, he would have to go back to congressman, back to uh, his superior, and say, "Look, yes, I'm over budget, but I had to hire X number of people to do this or do that to continue the investigation to bring it to court." And uh, I just, when he told me that, I just, I about fell out of my chair. And you know, it's sort of like telling a telling the military they have to buy their own ammunition. Uh, yeah, but that's because you got so many people sitting up there that they do better twiddling their thumbs or walking around with coffee cups than they know what Homeland Security does or what the military does. That's that's it. My goodness, did we write the same book? <laughs> no, we just wore the same uniform. <laughs> Touche. That was good. That was good, Pat. That was right on. Yeah, we did. And uh, uh, unfortunately, my uniform uh, was in a closet that had a terrible leak leak in it, and it shrunk down to where I don't think I was ever that small. But anyway, things, things happen, and uh, I guess if the need be, you know, that's another thing that I have never had any of the guests on from the Hall of Fame or, or any any veteran, really, that are probably, they may not be as old as I am, but close to it, but age doesn't matter that if the country needed us, we would be the first to be there with our shot. We'd be there like the revolutionary farmers, you know? If the, yeah. we would We would go back in on a heartbeat. And that's that's our military, you know. And that that was uh, what was the the Japanese? Why didn't you invade California? And the, are you crazy? Everybody in the United States, behind every uh, piece of grass, there's a rifle, and uh, they knew good and well that uh, our militia is our people, and uh, we're we're big supporters of the Second Amendment as well. So. Um, you know, let me let me ask one last question, and then we're going to have to look at uh, moving on. But you know what? 
Is there one last message you'd like to get across? Oh, let me ask you. Do you need help, or how could somebody help you with your mission on helping veterans? Oh, well, I don't know how they could help me, but if they can't help the veteran, at least give the veteran my number, and I might not be able to help them, but I know I can find somebody who can well, we we just uh, went through a situation that um, my brother-in-law died, and uh, <laughs> uh, he was one day out, he was in the um, navy, and he was uh, on his only service was during the Cuban blockade, and uh, he re- he resigned uh, or from the navy and got out one day before he would have been eligible for everything and um, the only thing he has come out of it with uh, or my sister has is um, the VA gave him um, a plot in uh, at the uh, at the uh, United States uh, Cemetery in Canton and um, but as far as helping him the money wise he was one day short of getting the full benefits. And, uh, Wait a minute. What do you mean one day short? I mean, he he got a, he uh, he literally signed the paperwork to get out of the navy one day ahead of of uh, being in long enough to get all the benefits. See, that doesn't make sense to me. One day. One day. That doesn't and, make any sense to me. They've gone. My my younger sister and my older sister have gone to the VA, and and uh, my brother-in-law was. Uh, I can't give you the dates because I don't know them off the top of my head. But it was like uh, if he had been in on March the 29th, he would have gotten all the benefits. But he resigned, or, or you know, was was out on March the 28th, and uh, was one day short, and. Uh, so the the um, monetary benefits, um, everything had to be paid out of uh, out of my sister's pocket. Not and like I said, the only thing he got was a plot in the uh, U.S. cemetery. But he was if he was eligible for that. How is it that he was not eligible for everything else? Yes, ma'am. See, I don't understand that. See, me me and the and the. the um, the Secretary of the Navy, mm-hmm. I'm the Navy Secretary of the VA, mm-hmm. we'd be having a talk because that doesn't make any sense. Well, I'll uh, I'll give my sister your telephone number, please. Okay, because that, that makes absolutely no sense. To but me. It was something like uh, you know we were talking a couple of thousand bucks that he should have been getting when he was under hospice care, and uh, they got nothing. See. Uh, God, that doesn't make any sense. One day? One day. Uh-uh. No. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that being said, uh, you'll be getting a phone call from my younger sister. And, Pat, this has been a delight. And what do you owe me, Pat? Dinner. You. <laughs> Not dinner. It's me buying you dinner or lunch <laughs> whenever you're up here. So I'm looking forward to it. And, uh Thank you so much for joining us on America's Web Radio and David's Pick, brought to you by the Georgia Veteran Military Veterans Hall of Fame. 
You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.